Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. The wiser I have become and the more that I journey in this thing called life, I have uh, adopted and been the CEO, president, and uh, co-founder of the following. The cutoff. The snip. The scissor upper. <laughs> Chef boy, I cut. Okay. Uh, I am a strong advocate of removing people from my life, from my space, from my existence, from my inner circle to the outer circle. I am a fond believer that you are as successful as you can be based upon where you've placed certain people in your life. So I've always had the visual of life being a theater. And it is crucial of who you have on the stage with you, who you have backstage with you, who is in the front rows of your of your seats, but more importantly, who you allow the access to the theater of your life. Like why why are you allowing for as much as you can allow the people that have made the determination to boo for you. Is it because of their title? Is it because, you know, that's just the way that that person is? Like, what excuse have you given them? What continual admission to your life's theater have you given this person knowing that you are not my biggest fan? Matter of fact, you're not even a fan. <laughs> I get more love from strangers than I get from you. And that is a problem because where they are seated, I can't see that reflected. You have a responsibility to put that person in the nosebleed seats. You have a responsibility to go ahead and give that person a virtual link. If you so choose to continue to keep them in your space, please put them in a space that you don't realize that they are or are not there. I will tell you where all this is coming from. I had to grow to the person that became okay with, listen, I will remove you before I lose a piece of me. I will literally remove whomever to save my peace. That's just how we how it's going to go. And that wasn't always the case. The foundation of who I am is very sensitive. I want to keep people close. I don't want to let go of who I deem as valued. I don't want to have any conflict uh, I am the person that wants to keep my day ones all the way day ones I don't want that number to change I and so if not careful I will adapt to the mindset of I don't want to let you go but I realize and I'm so thankful that God allowed me to see what happens when I don't place certain boundaries in my life holding on to the very thing that causes you to be sick holding on to the very thing that does not pour into you constantly pouring into people nobody's pouring into you leaves you empty then you wonder why you feel lonely in a room full of people with a phone phone full of tech messages with missed calls and your phone is the hotline but you feel like you are isolated like you no one is really caring for you and it's not that people don't care about you they just don't care for you the way that you receive care to be I had to grow to the person that realized that there is power in removal. Mm -hmm. 
that there is safety and protection in the word no. And it's a complete sentence, as I heard someone said one time. No is a complete sentence. Not giving any explanation shows that you're super grown sometimes. <laughs> I'm not explaining myself. I don't have to. If I have to go as far as explaining why what you did was just whatever, you know what? I'm going to save both of us. What I'm going to do is I'm going to save myself the uh, elevated pressure and sweat and, and having to even come out to even explain the hurt to you again which in turn makes me relive it and I'm going to save you the audacity of trying to either downplay my truth or argue why I shouldn't feel that kind of way so what I'm going to do is I'm going to save both of us and I'm just going to remove myself from the poison yeah because it seems like the way that you serve the people in your life I see the way that you feed the people in your life and I see the results of how they feel once you feed them. So I'm not going to go through the rigmarole of trying to get you to serve people differently and trying to train adults and do all these different things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to remove myself from the seat in which you serve. It's like being in a room full of people who are doing a particular vice that you're not, that's not your thing. Like, I, how would I even look? <laughs> the energy that it would take to have to go around the room and explain to people why they should not do that, the thing that they have in common, the thing that they want to do, because you're there. You will get to the point in life that you realize, hey, I'm going to say something, and it's not to change you, or you're trying to change me. It's just for you to be aware of what works and or does not work for me. And if I make a statement or request out of love, and in turn, you feel like, well, I don't want to do that. Listen, out of love, I will remove me. I'm not going to go around the room and explain to everybody why I don't indulge in this kind of vice. I don't, this is not my idea of fun. Hey, I no longer feel comfortable when this element is added to the room. I'm not getting ready to do all that. What I will simply do out of love, the love for myself, is remove myself from from this environment period and that is literally <laughs> the true visual execution of removing yourself from toxic situations but then I realized something I said I think that the way we are starting to think as a culture of like oh you toxic one we kind of put like a little cute brand to it like What's your toxic trait? <laughs> My toxic trait is that I fall in love after two days. And so we have embellished the idea of toxicity when we do not realize that sometimes it's based upon abuse and it's based upon control and there's all these other psychological elements to it. And when you don't take something seriously and you make it cute, then that means that you've allowed more space and more room for that thing to continue in your life. And I've always made this statement, I don't flirt with what hurts me. Because it's a difference in saying absolutely not. <laughs> not doing A, B, and C opposed to mm, for 10 minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll show my face and then I'll leave. Why would I want to feed the very thing that starves me? That harms me. Why would I want to feed it at all? No, that's not. You, you're trying to show love, but you're neglecting yourself from the love. Self-love is first. I'm sorry. I don't want to be one of those, but like I'm on a milk carton. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not how that works. If you do not show people that you love yourself enough to say, okay, that's not for me. And you will remove or adjust or do whatever needs to be done. Like 
people treat you based upon how you treat yourself. How you treat yourself in turn shows what you will allow. What you will allow shows, oh, this is how I can treat you. That's probably why when I was in my singlehood and when I met my husband, one of the first things he said was, yeah, because when I saw you, I just knew you were not the chick to run game and, yo, ma, what it do? Like, I had to be, I felt like I had to be, like, on my 100 game, and I didn't have game. So, like, and he was getting a little bit nervous about it. But I've heard that before. Dudes were like, yo, you can look at you and tell, like, you're not really, like, you're a little bit smarter than the average bear. Um, And I guess with you being from New York, it kind of felt like you knew what game was before anybody ever could possibly try to spit one to you. And it was like, correct. Correct. I've always carried myself with the presence of I know how to treat myself. And if you do not treat me according to the instructions that uh, (laughs) I am visually showing you, then you do not deserve me. Yeah, once you get treated and mishandled and all kind, mm -mm, after a while, you start to get smart on how you package yourself. You start to be like, listen, uh, fragile. (laughs) You start to put certain things on your packaging so that people can be clear. Listen, you can't just walk in here with this carpet, this color, and tramp all over your your shoes in this situation of my heart, of my soul, of my life. And so what I'm going to uh, request of you is if you come on this property, I need you to take your shoes off. That is training someone on how you will peruse through my life. Hey, um, we don't smoke in here. That is training someone on how to conduct themselves around you. Hey, ar- around my children, we don't. Yeah, in my car, we don't. Okay, when you get around my family, <laughs> we don't. That is training someone. So that's why it always baffles me that someone will get into a responsibility with you, a.k.a. a relationship, a.k.a. a friendship, anything that shows a level of commitment because you didn't have to do that. You could have stayed an associate. So it it, it baffles me that someone will uh, go ahead and get into a responsibility because friendship and relationships of any sort is a responsibility and then try to tell you, oh, I don't want to do that. Did you read the job description before you applied to this job, sir, ma'am? Did you see how much the uh, house was going for before you went ahead and went to the bank and said, hey, I want to see about this house? Did you see what, what your bank account looked like before you went ahead to see if you can get this car? So did you explore me on any level before you made the commitment to try to be uh, responsible to me? Did, did you get any of that? Because what you're not going to do and what you could never do is uh, go ahead and start looking at the house, go to the bank, and and then go back to the seller and say, hey, listen, so I know I said I had this much percent down, and I know I said that my credit was good, and I know I said that I can possibly give you, but I'm thinking like, no. I'm thinking I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Can I still get the house? What do you think the answer is going to be? Yeah, no, no. So then if we can't do that on a surface level transaction, then why would you let somebody talk you down out of what your particular stipulations are with a soul transaction? Anytime that you are interacting with someone and you let them enter into your life, they are literally there for two reasons. 
They are getting ready to add something to your life that you were like, God, I'm so glad that you brought such and such into my life because until she came into my life, I didn't think this way. Until he came into my life, um, my thinking has expanded. Until you, you understand, like, it's you know, those people, and just now you're like, mm, a couple of names came to mind real quick. You're like, absolutely. And then there's those other people. That when they came in your life, you you you, you had a you, you you know you had a couple of thug tears. You felt like, bro, never again. <laughs> you are the bar. I will never be this again. I will never stoop this low. I will never. You bringing out parts of me that I've never seen. You, I'm embarrassed. Like you got me wanting to uh, go ahead and get past this chapter real quick because I wanted to put the shades on to my own life and be like, that is not me, right? You don't even recognize yourself. People only come into your lives and do one or two things. They leave you better off than when they originally found you. Or they take you so far off of the path of what God had for you that you don't even recognize you. And then it takes you so long or so many different divine interventions, so many different other people that God uses as shovels and and people to get you back on track so that you can meet the first group of people and get you to where you're supposed to be. I understand the hardship of being someone who stands by boundaries because I have had to, air quotes, cut off, remove, disconnect from people that I didn't want to. See, nobody really thinks about that. Nobody thinks about the fact that, you know what, if not put in a situation, you would not have had to do that. If that didn't happen, then there will be no reason to disconnect from this person. So when people are looking at you like, oh, but that's your sister, but that's your mother, but that's your aunt, but that's your whoever, that they seem to be valued, nobody ever seems to stop and reflect that, wow, I I feel for you that you had to put a boundary up so strong that it had to then intercede into a relationship of someone that you shouldn't have had to make that decision for. Who wants to cut off a relative just willy-nilly? We, we weren't, air quote, raised like that. We want raised to be like, and then when I turn this age, I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not even innate in us. It's not in the animal kingdom. Like, it's nowhere. We were made to literally stay with your tribe, a.k.a. your blood, a.k.a. your family. And then, you know, that just keeps being your family. You make traditions. You, you do the Christmas and whatever thing and blah, blah, blah. And that's just it. And then you come home and y'all do the family reunion, whatever state that y'all want to do it. Y'all wear the T-shirts. You do E or the above. And that's how that goes. Who in their right mind wants to cut somebody off from their own tribe? Who? But nobody stops to think and says, well, what could have happened to make you do something That is so taboo that the only way for you to continue to exist in a way where you continue to grow and you continue to flourish was to remove someone from your tribe? Yeah, mind blown. No one ever thinks of that. 
You're always looked at as, well, why don't you be the bigger person? Or how come you don't talk to us? Or why don't you do? And and I wish that a lot of people, instead of trying to be the uh, fixer of things that are broken, I need you to understand something. We always quote in love, you know, what God puts together, no man can you know put asunder. Or, you know, the door that God closes, no man can open. And the door that God opens, no man can close. Why don't we go ahead and copy and paste that to certain things? Maybe relationships are broken to a certain capacity that God is like, maybe if I break it down to the elemental P to you, that you will understand, I don't care what the title is. I need you to be obedient to me. When Jesus was literally on the cross in Calvary, one of the disciples, John, said, um, Jesus, your mother very much is looking for you, sir. You need to go ahead. And in any other capacity, depending on how you were raised, it would have been like, hold on, because, you know, my mother, you know, my mother comes first and this and the third. And Jesus had to look at John and say, um, but who is my mother? A.K.A., bruh, I am on a mission. I have a calling on my life. And even if you bring up a title that everyone kind of, you know, buckles at the knees a little bit when you bring it up, depending on what kind of mother you had, um, I am not going to fold to a title when I'm in the midst of being obedient to God. Do you get it? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Sometimes I always kind of, when I'm looking in real time on what's happening in my life, in bird's eye view, sometimes I, I also like to do visually what I like to call sitting across the table. And when I sit across the table from the decisions that I make, I prepare myself for what others may misconstrue my decisions on. Oh, you just had an attitude that time. That's why you, mm-mm. Do you realize that sometimes when certain people get angry, it's not that they're doing something out of anger. It's just that sometimes that's the little opportunity or window of opportunity that they have to go ahead and do something bold in faith or in obedience that they're not able to do when they're calm. Yeah, that's when you go ahead and you're like, you know what, I'm done with this relationship, when you really should have been done, but you didn't have the guts to say that or to do that when you were calm. So sometimes your window of opportunity, it is battery packed by a little bit of anger. It is battery packed by a little bit of, a, of an emotion. It doesn't mean you made an emotional mistake if you know yourself true and true. But sometimes the, the thing that allows you <laughs> the access and the key to your freedom is to ride that emotion out so that you can get out of disobedience, period. Toxic relationships is more than such and such beating on such and such. Oh, you know what, um, yeah, because the emotional, physical, uh, whatever abuse. Like sometimes we don't, I, I don't really truly think in this modern time, I don't think we truly understand what toxic relationships, like what it really is. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go on a quest. Well, I'm just going layman term. I'm going to look it up. And so I looked up on time.com. You know the Time Magazine. I ain't got the time. You, you, okay, good. And I'm going to just read. It says, hmm, do I want to read from here or there? Let's just read from the top. Uh, it says, a common refrain, relationships are hard work. 
Fights are normal and rough patches are par for the course. True as that may be, however, these platitudes can distract from legitimate causes for concern in one's social and romantic life, including signs that a relationship may have become or always was toxic. Here's what you need to know about toxic relationships and how to tell if you're in one. Juicy, very much. Continue. What is a toxic relationship? Dr. Lillian Glass, a California-based communication and psychology expert who says she coined the term in her 1995 book, Toxic People, defines a toxic relationship as, air quotes, any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict and one seeks to undermine the other, where there's competition, where there's disrespect and a lack of cohesiveness. Huh? Would you say church? Oh, you want me to read it again? Very much. So um, Dr. Lillian Glass defines a toxic relationship as any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict and one seeks to undermine the other. Where there's competition, where there's disrespect and a lack of cohesiveness. Hold on, let me see if I see any fine print that says, but not if they're your family member. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me scroll down a little bit more, see if I said, but not if it's your friend that you knew for this particular period of time. Hold on, hold on. Just don't don't get antsy. Let me see if it says anything about someone's relationship status to you. Married in a family. Just, uh, hold on. Um, let me see if it said, you know, but he did such and such for me that time when nobody else did. Hold on, hold on. I want to see if it says, mm, let me see if it says the homegirl that when you were down, she was there. Hold on. You know what? I'm not finding it. Not. Not. And, and I looked as fast as I could scroll uh, so that you wouldn't go ahead. Yeah, I didn't find it. So in reading that, uh, you know how I am, right? Because I'm always going to relate it back to the Bible. I was like, Holy Spirit, uh, I don't ever want to teach something, say something, practice something, share something. If I can identify it in the Bible or give a practicality, because I am very much a person that's like, okay, because I believe that there is common knowledge in the world, right? But I believe that there's nothing new under the sun the way that Ecclesiastes said. So I need the Holy Spirit to show me because I am a hearer of the word and I'm a doer of the word the way that the word says that you should be, right? So immediately I was like, give me something and I can see it and I can digest it and then I can apply it. He was like, say no more. I was like, Holy Spirit, you got Tim's on? He was like, hey, just back to your Bible. I was like, <laughs> heard you. He said, go to Genesis 13 real quick. I say, Holy, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. You're not going to tell these folks about Lot and Abram, are you? He was like, read. I said, oh, yo, you be ready. You be having it in the chamber. Like, I ain't go okay, because he giving me the look. Real quick, I want to read to you about the time that Abram and Lot separated. A little backdrop, if you don't know, read your Bible, no, no judgment. But um, Abram, which later was Abraham, right, uh, was the uncle of Lot, right? Uh, 
And so God had told Abram a little chapter or two ago, he was like, hey, real quick, I want you to, uh, this is the time that a man should be leaving his wife and, um, you know, cleaving with his wife and leaving his father's house. So he was like, yo, you, you didn't listen to that part. <laughs> so Abram, um, leave the house of your father, sir, and uh, take your wife and um, go to a land that I'm going to show you. He was like, what you say? He said, uh, this is God speaking. He was like, facts. Okay. I want you to take your wife, right? And I want you to leave your father's house and everything in it. And I want you to go to a land that I'm, I'm finna show you. He was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Sarai, come on, let's go. Also, Lot, let's go. Do you, does he listen to instructions? Clearly, Abraham's grandmother wasn't on them hiney cheeks because, sir, you do not listen. <laughs> if she said, go ahead and take the garbage out, that don't mean take the garbage out and then go to the store. That's not what she said. But you know what? You didn't have a grandmother from Alabama, okay? You didn't have a mother who was raised in New York. You, you, didn't, you didn't get that smoke. And, and, and I could tell, okay? I could tell. But that's a little backdrop. I'm going to read from the top, Genesis 13, uh, the NLT version. Okay, read your Bible, but we're going to do it together. So let's just take it from the top, like the uh, deaconess Cardi B said. So one, so Abram left Egypt and traveled north into Neviv, along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Two, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. Pause. Okay. Okay. Um, Mogul. You understand? Okay. Three, from the Neve. They continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. Hmm. Four. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. Okay. Five. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. Pause. That just shows that when you are favored and when the anointing is on you, that whoever is surrounded with you or close by you, that anointing is automatically, automatically going to spill over. Literally, when you start eating well, the people around you start eating well. You didn't notice that. So you have to be very cognizant of who you decide to eat with and eat around. Because what you may not realize is that uh, you're ordering things and people are eating your leftovers and you're never going to get fed that way. But that's the whole word. I hope you got it. Okay, great. Marie 5 again. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. Six. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At the time, Canaanites and Pezzarites were also living in the land. Eight. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. Nine. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll take the land to the left. 10. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere. 
like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the land destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 11. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. 12. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. Pause. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, continue. 13. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. 14. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am given all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. 16. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. 17. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. 18. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamar. There he built another altar to the Lord. So many things. Holy Spirit helped me to do this. Number one, God gave Abram the instruction early. Leave your father's house. Take your wife. Leave your father's house, take your wife. Why did Abram then take his wife and his nephew? It is important to listen to God's instructions to the elemental P. Why? Because the additions that you are trying to bring with you, where you're going, it is not going to support your plan. Where God is directing you to go only supports God's plan. It literally says in verse 6 in Genesis 13, but the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. Maybe God gave you that initial piece of direction, the, the initial piece of, okay, this is what I'm going to do to see if you would just listen to what he is saying because he is giving you the instruction that's going to support which you are getting ready to walk into break up with such and such, but you want so bad to, all right, so we won't be together, but we'll still be real, real close friends. No, no, maybe he's saying break it off completely. I'm trying to make the room for the things that is going to, that's in the queue for you, but I can't bring husband. If you got the person who you thought was your husband still in your phone. You still got these romantic relationships. Why? Then when such and such comes along and he's showing promise and he's showing what you pray for, now you got a conflicted heart. Do you go ahead and go with what you know to be familiar, which is the first old boy? Or do you go ahead and let God do a new thing in you with the new old boy? What do you do? Maybe you wouldn't have this emotional fork in the road if you just would have listened to God firsthand saying, go ahead and dead him all the way together, all the way together. <laughs> you understand? Dead him all the way together because where you are trying to drag him into, God doesn't have enough room for him to be there. Hmm? Oh, okay. Maybe. God is saying, leave that job. Go ahead and start the entrepreneur lane. And you're like, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get a part-time job. Really? And then you're getting frustrated that you don't have no time to go ahead and do such and such. That you're looking at all the other different elements that God did not tell you to look into. And you're like, how come I just can't? Like, I, I know I'm favored. I know I have it on me. And I'm and I, this is going to be a great idea. And I feel it. And I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you are serving and, and serving up your own anchor. 
Because you won't do it the way that God told you to do it. He told you to let that job go. He told you to let old girl go. He told you to let old boy go. He told you to let something go. This is how I need you to move. And you said, I have a better idea. Steve Urkel style. I'm going to go ahead and take what you said, God. And I'm going to add my own tail to the dog. And then you wonder why you're not walking in the full fruition of what God told you. God, I know you told me to A, B, and C. But how come I'm not seeing it? Because you did not do it the way that God said. Hmm. Too much? No, it's enough. <laughs> and and the deacon said, um, don't stop till I get enough. So that's what Zach will be getting ready to do. But what I found the most interesting is verse eight. Finally, the Bible says, finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. Here's what I learned. Uh, There are certain people who are wired not to be in conflict. And so what do they do? They ignore it. They want to act like it doesn't exist. They sometimes do a little bit of passive aggressiveness. They're doing E, all the above, but then dealing with the thing head on. And I wonder how much time passed that the Bible had to document Finally, Abram said to Lot, how long did you allow this discomfort between uh, your close relatives, uh, your herdsmen? How many different situations had to be brought up to you that you probably slipped under the rug and just was like, ah, but that's my nephew. I'm not, what you want me to do? I brought him all the way out here and I can't just leave him and say, da, da, da. and literally, literally, it once it said that uh he was like you know what um let's not let this situation keep happening and abram decided a way to go ahead and cohesively just how do we get this thing to stop like i'm trying to keep you in my circle i'm trying to keep you a part of the fam i want you to be a part of the you know the the social media list of friends but like if we keep going the way that we're going i don't think that this is going to work out for neither one of us so let me go ahead and finally do something so he did the big man thing. He was like, yo, look, wherever you want to look, wherever you deem to be, this is where I want to be, then you can go ahead and take it. I'm going to go the direct opposite, buddy. Like, I'm not even trying to be in competition with you, and that's what true love is. I'm not trying to change you. I don't want to alter your life in any way. But wherever you go, I know that in order for us both to be successful and whatever God has for both of us individually, that we cannot do it collectively. So I need to be as far on the other side of you as far on the other side of you as I possibly can. That spoke volumes to me. But what spoke more volumes to me is that um, God started speaking again to Abram once he went ahead and uh, parted from Lot. Mm -hmm. Verse 14 says, After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your decisions as a permanent possession. Pause. I was like, time out. Oh, God, you, you, you were clear. 
Abram, I don't care how big your heart is. I did not tell you to bring that boy, and I'm not going to bless you with him in the queue. I already told you what to do. I said, take you and your wife and leave your father's house. You brought old boy with you, so you're going to have to support it. You brought old boy with you, so you're going to have to dissolve that. You brought old boy with you, so you're going to have to go ahead and make that situation right. I am not obligated as God to do anything, support anything, work anything else out if I did not tell you and trust you to do that. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm almost quite certain that um, when Peter was on the boat and he was like, Jesus, if that's you, tell me, come. I almost kind of sort of believe that while he was walking, if the disciples would have been like, I'm on my way too, uh, uh-uh, I didn't tell you to come out the boat. <laughs> Mm-mm, you didn't ask me. Peter asked permission. If that's you, then tell me to come out there with you. Come on out here with me. But if you decide to just go out here and walk on this boat, yeah, you get all types of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and drink some of that salt water. <laughs> you understand? I'm not obligated to do anything that I didn't invite you or direct you to do, sir. Ma'am? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's amazing to me that God was like, I'll hold. No, 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 no. Listen, by all means, do it your way. Oh, you want to do that, that, and get that car first, and I told you not to get that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get that car. No, no, no. Listen. Listen, I'll wait. I have all the time in the world. As a matter of fact, I created time. Take your time. (laughs) But this thing is timed. Mm -hmm. The calling on your life is timed. So, yeah, just, you know, do what needs to be done. Um, I'll wait. Mm -hmm. Look how long I waited, uh, you know, for y'all to get it together. I, I will wait. And we don't realize that when you start to go ahead and finally start moving the way that God said to move then things start opening up then God's promises start to flourish then you start to see newness in your life then you're like why all these creative juices are coming yeah now that I'm not paying that much attention to that now that I'm not feeding dead soil anymore things are starting to grow in me I'm starting to feel like renewed I'm starting to feel refreshed it's almost like happy new year in the soul maybe perhaps it's because you finally got back to the coordinates of God's direction Yeah, if Abram was able to see, my gosh, this is not, (laughs) this is a toxic relationship between Lot and I. Like, it's almost like Abram, like he went on time.com. Because what does a toxic relationship mean again? A real toxic relationship? Any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict and one seeks to undermine the other, where there's competition, where there's disrespect and the lack of cohesiveness. Hmm? Didn't that sound a lot like Abram a lot? Yeah, y'all both can't be wealthy in the same in the same house. Um, sometimes that doesn't work. Mm-mm. Y'all both can't have uh, divisive ideas. Yet, because the Bible says what? That a house divided does not stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together lest they agree? Mm-hmm. So I need you to do a better job of defining toxic relationships. If you know that old girl is jealous of you, 
you are playing yourself. Can I give you a little story and be completely unveiled with you? And if I ever hear this, I will deny it. And you will never be my favorite grandbaby ever again. But that's fine. No threat. Just a promise. Um, I had someone that I've known since high school. I Our children grew up together. Well, that's when I had my son. My, our, yeah, our sons grew up together. I'm talking about like to the point that my baby was calling her auntie. So you know it's real. Because <laughs> in the community... You understand? Within the culture, if the baby start calling you auntie, oh, where you going? Because <laughs> very much family. Like, stop playing with me. And I always saw a little bit of jealousy, but I think that when you don't suffer with that particular ailment, is you kind of deny that anybody else could potentially even have that with you. So you're like, nah, maybe she was just, you know. But I noticed that it was in the outfits that I was wearing and the dudes that I was talking to. Let me see if he's cute. Kind of, It was all this competitiveness. And so every now and again I kind of was like I don't think I really want to rock with that I didn't realize that it was such an issue until we were getting ready to fight for real for real one time and I was like okay just chill but I thought you know because we were in our early 20s and blah 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 once I finally moved down here to Georgia uh we kind of rekindled a little bit shouts out to social media with people you don't talk to all the time but you run into them like okay suggested and that's how that works when I finally moved somewhere she asked me for a photo, and I was super excited sharing the journey with her, this, that, and the third. And her words literally was to me, um, man, I love where you live. You had me feeling like I need to move. Didn't even really pay that no attention. I'm packing up. I'm still talking to her. She was working the late night shift. I was working from home. So she, you know, was keeping me busy. You know how you like to talk or listen to music as you clean up. She was my talk or clean up situation because I'm packing this, getting my mind off of it. And then I noticed that once I moved, um, she, we weren't talking like that. You mean, this is somebody I was talking to for at least two to three day, times a day. So that's, those are the people that when it's switchy, you like, what's, hello? Why you? Hello? <laughs> Are you like, did you put me on a long pause? Like, what happened? It's not the person that you talk to here and there. And when you talk to, you catch up. And then, yeah, mm-mm. This was like, bro, you you missed the lunchtime call. Like, what's up? I'm really not. And she stopped talking to me. And so I finally went ahead and texted her, like, what's up? And she was like, oh, I'm just giving you time to settle in. I was like, I don't need settling time. And so once... I became honest with myself. I was like, so how much longer are you going to keep somebody in your camp that is knowingly, blatantly jealous of you? There is competition there, and you don't serve that to her. She serves that to you. Why would you want that person in your camp? That is dangerous. That somebody would see your accomplishment, and instead of congratulating you, it's automatic competition. That is dangerous. Yeah, there's a lot. You look in any history, any good book, it was sometimes the basis of people getting killed and all kind of stuff was jealous of you. That is dangerous. Dark green duck. You understand? And so I started looking at over the past year, the people that I've slowly been like, nah, I'm good. And do you know what? They have fallen into each of these categories. So what is your challenge, you asked me? I am so glad you finally said something because I'm looking at you like, uh, I'm giving you eyes, I'm giving you eyebrows, and you just not getting it. Ask me what your challenge is. Okay, good. Your challenge is, I'm going to read this uh, toxic relationship thing again. You can look it up, time.com, T-I-M-E.com. But I'm going to read it to you again, and 
it will behoove you and the future you will thank you. When you identify these people, don't connect it to your emotions, don't connect it to their title, connect it to the promise that God has over your life. God is not going to be in competition with your disobedience. When you identify who these people are, I need you to be brave enough to say, I have to remove myself from you. If Abram was able to do it with Lot, then you can do it with whomever. If Jesus was able to say, listen, who's my mother? What happened? What? Then you can do it as well. Stop making excuses to, for, to continue to house the anchors to your boat. I, I, I literally put myself in Abram's shoes. I was like, yo, he could have said, bro, what I'm supposed to do, I bought Lot out here. Like, that's crazy. At least, all right, well, at least let me set him up. At least let me A, B, and C. And it would have been all the, everything he could have said would have been right because he is now your responsibility because you bought him out here. But it was literally like, finally, he did something. And the moment that he did, God was like, and now I can finally finish what I was getting ready to do with you. But I'm not moving until you make the moves that are necessary. So let's read what toxic relationships are so that you can identify these people and you can finally do something. Dr. Lillian Glass defines a toxic relationship as any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict and one seeks to undermine the other where there's competition, where there's disrespect, and a lack of cohesiveness. There's so much more I want to say, because I literally want to go through this and tell you an example of each one and how it hurt me to remove myself from these people, but I've seen, yeah, this is not, we no longer serve each other. Yeah, I want something that is mutually beneficial, and this is not it. And I know it's probably going to look funny from the outside because how could you stop talking to such and such because that's your such and such or, you know, she don't got nobody positive. Whatever it is, I'm choosing the route where God speaks to me again and tells me the things that I need to get to what God has for me. Because until that time, until you go ahead and make those particular harsh, brave decisions, your heart and your brain will continue to fight each other. What do you mean, let go of such and such? That's just such and such. And so now you have this conflict within yourself because you don't know how to resolve the conflict around you. Boundaries. Toxic relationships. Identify and devour the situation. You are more than a conqueror. You can absolutely do it, and you need to. But don't take my word from it. Read Genesis 13 again and, and show me what God was talking to him. Show me what God was talking to Abram while Lot was still with him. As a matter of fact, God was like, now that you're finally, finally did something, you're finally listening to me, you're finally back on track, I'm going to rename you. I'm going to make this thing, I'm just going to renew the whole situation. You're no longer going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham Mm -hmm. because I'm about to do something new through you. Because what you did before, yeah, that wasn't, mm -mm, you didn't listen. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just do a a fresh anointing, if you will. God did it for Abram, turning it to Abraham. He can do it for you. I want to consider this moment 
your happy new year because I want the rest of your life, the rest of your year, the rest of your month, the rest of whatever God has for you. Like I literally want you to do something different so that you can finally receive what God has been preparing for you this entire time. It was a delay. It's not denied. You just got to go ahead and cut off some dead fruit. Do you understand? Okay, listen. Um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, definitely do. You know what these conversations are, though, right? Okay, yep, yeah, they are life-provoking conversations. Very good. Conversations are not the average person going to have with you, but who your favorite? Oh, girl. This was good. Yes? Very much. Yes, it is. But listen, I got to go get something to drink because um, whose throat is dry? <laughs> Mine. Uh but I'm going to go ahead and talk to you later because I do know your phone number and I do know when you try to avoid me. But I knew, do know the two call, one click. I, I know how to get to you. It's nothing. But I'll talk to you later, okay? Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs>